ذكره الامام الرضا عليه السلام after the martyrdom of his father al-imam al-kadhim he experienced severe challenges very huge challenges shook the community of the imam alayhi salam shook the muslim ummah especially the shia the followers of the imams one of those big challenges was that a new sect was formed and the name of that sect was watifiyah basically here's what happened al-imam al-kadhim was in prison for many years right so he had representatives that he would be in touch with from various cities they would collect the khums for instance or the zakat or the financial obligations and they would give it to the imam because the imam was not accessible to everyone right especially there was political persecution not everyone could come to medina and see al-imam al-kadhim and give him the religious dues so that the imam spends it in the way of allah subhanahu wa ta'ala so the imam appointed representatives the people would bring the khums they would give it to these representatives then the representatives would forward it to al-imam al-kadhim or he'd send them a letter telling them how to distribute it well what happened towards the end of the imam's life al-imam al-kadhim remember he was in prison for many years so the people would bring the khums to the house of these representatives and the khums kept piling and piling in their house they were waiting for the imam to be released from the prison so they bring the money to him and imam al-kadhim passed away in prison he was martyred so some of those representatives the love of dunya the love of wealth caused them to deviate and to become corrupt one of those corrupt representatives was Ali ibn Abi Hamza al-Bata'ini. Ali ibn Abi Hamza al-Bata'ini was one of the representatives of the Imam. He would collect the khums from the people, he would forward it to the Imam. When Al-Imam al-Kadhim was martyred, the shaitan played with Ali's head, al-Bata'ini's head. You know what he thought to himself? He thought to himself, I have all this money gathered in my house. The best way for me to keep this money is to deny that Imam al-Rada is the next Imam. Because people now are telling me, Ali, send the khums to Imam al-Rada because he is the next Imam. But he wants to keep that money. So what did he do? He denied that Imam al-Rada is an Imam. He said, no, al-Rada is not an Imam. And in fact, Imam al-Kadhim didn't die. People think he died, but he's in ghaybah, he's in occultation, and in fact, he's the Mahdi. So whenever he reappears, I'll give him the khums. This was a strategy that he came up with to keep the money, to keep the khums, and not to give it to the poor and to the people and to the imam. So he started a whole sect called the Waqifiyyah. They believed in the imams up until al-imam al-Kadhim. But then, they rejected Imam al-Rada Now this is a challenge, my dear brothers and sisters. This caused a lot of confusion for the average people. Who's my next Imam? This Ali ibn Abi Hamza al-Bata'ni, is he telling the truth? Is he lying? What's going on? They created so much confusion and Imam al-Rada condemned them. 
He told them, you're playing with fire. You're playing with God's religion. This is theft. And this is what the love of this dunya does. We have to be very careful. Never allow your heart to be too attached to this world, to this dunya. Because there may be times, God forbid, when you would give up your moral values in return for some materialistic gain. This happens all the, all the time, my dear brothers and sisters. All the time. Everywhere you go. Not just Wall Street. I know Wall Street is the prime example of these greedy millionaires who are willing to do anything to get more and more money and they manipulate the economy. Not just that, but every corner in our society, you find that there are some people like that. In order to, to make more money, they're willing to do anything, anything. They'll take advantage of others. They'll exploit others. Just a few years ago, I read an article. I think it was on the New York Times or maybe some other uh, news outlet. That this person bought a pharmaceutical company in the New York area. That's based there. Now, this pharmaceutical company would sell a pill, a medication that treats a type of um, immune disease. Immune, you know, the immune system sometimes can be compromised. And so this medication treated a type of immune disease that, has, that affects the immune system, an autoimmune disease. Now the pill, the one pill, was about $10. When this new millionaire from Wall Street bought this pharmaceutical company, he increased the price of the pill from $10 to $700. Now imagine you're a patient, you're a sick person, and you need this pill to treat this disease that you have that's impacting your immune system. Now you're paying $10 per pill. Suddenly it becomes $700 per pill. Look at the exploitation. Is this fair? Is this justice? Yeah, and he can get away with it. It's very unfortunate. Many people cannot afford that. This is taking advantage of their need. And then he was interviewed, the CEO of this pharmaceutical company, the new buyer. They told him, look, this is exploitation. Why are you doing that? Yeah, SubhanAllah, they always have a twist to it, right? They know how to manipulate their words and justify for their actions. You know what he said? He said, well, I increased the price of the pill so I can invest in this pharmaceutical company and give better medication in the future. See, it sounds very good from the outside. Yeah, mashallah, he's investing so he can improve the quality of the medication. But we all know what's happening. The day you buy that company, you start selling the pill from $10 to $700. That's what happens. Look at the love of the dunya, the love of this world makes you oppress other people, makes you deny their rights. Why do you think every single day 30,000 children die from starvation and malnourishment? Every day, not talking about every year, every day 30,000. Why? Because of greed. We have the resources to make everyone rich on earth. No one should starve. No one should suffer from malnourishment, but it's because of the greed of the human being that causes destruction.
And that's what happened at the time of Imam al-Rida. So you had these well-respected figures in their community. They denied that Imam al-Rida is the next Imam so they could keep the khums money. So they could keep the other types of charities that were under their possession. This is a trial, my dear brothers and sisters. I remember these people, they were so-called Shia. I mean, they were Shia by name, but then obviously they failed their test and they revealed their true colors. So the Imams of Ahlul Bayt were surrounded with trials and challenges, not just from their enemies, sometimes from people who claimed to follow them. And this is a tragedy, my dear brothers and sisters. This is indeed a very, very big tragedy. And we have to learn from these historical events and challenges. So this was a challenge in the life of Imam Rada. Another thing that was happening was that the Abbasid government, after Harun, a big fight happened. And there was uh, a lot of competition. Who gets more power? Harun had two sons, Amin and Ma'mun. Amin was in Baghdad. Ma'mun was in Maru, where Harun died. Maru, today, we call it Mashhad. It's in Iran. There was a rivalry between Amin and Ma'mun. Brothers competing for power. Amin says, I want to be the caliph. You, Ma'mun, get out of my way. Ma'mun says, no, I'm better than you. I want to be the caliph. You get out of my way. These two brothers fought. The soldiers of Ma'mun, they entered Baghdad. They ransacked the city. They became victorious. And Al-Amin was killed and beheaded. And his head was hung in the city, on the gates of the city for a, for a while. Imagine, imagine brothers doing that to one another just for power. That's what happened between Amin and Ma'mun. So Amin got killed. Who becomes the next caliph? Al-Ma'mun. Now, since Al-Ma'mun was in Maru, in Khurasan, the province of Khurasan, which is modern-day Mashhad in Iran, he, he decided to establish his caliphate in Mashhad. That would be his headquarters and the center of his government. Now, Al-Ma'mun realized that Al-Imam al-Rida in Medina was becoming very popular. And there were many revolutions against him. And even Bani al-Abbas, right? The Abbasids were not happy with Mahmud because he killed his brother and now he's the caliph. The family of Bani al-Abbas, not all of them were with Mahmud. There was a split now. So he wanted to solidify his government. You know what he did? He sent a message to Imam al-Rada telling him, come, I summon you to come to Mashhad. Imam al-Rada, was living peacefully in Medina. He was teaching and educating people, leading his ummah. He was with his family, with his, you know, um, young son, Al-Imam Al-Jawad, He was living with his family. Suddenly, Al-Ma'mun summons him, and he tells him, you have to come to Mashhad. If you don't, I'll kill you. Al-Imam Rada, this is towards the end of his life. The Imam السلام, farewells his family and he tells them, Now I have to go. I have to go to Mashhad. This is the plan of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. This is the will of God. This is my trial. I accept the trial from God. 
he farewells, farewells his family and with some of his companions, the Imam salam, takes the journey to Mashhad. The Imam stops at a number of cities such as Basra, such as Qom, until he finally reaches Mashhad. One of the companions of Imam Rada he says, I accompanied him on this journey. I swear by God, never had I seen a man more mindful of God, more pious than Ar-Rada. Throughout the entire journey, he was thanking Allah. He was glorifying God. He was praising Allah, remembering God, worshiping God. I would see him at the morning time. He would get up, he would pray Salat al-Fajr. Salat al-Subh, and then he would do the tasbih, he would glorify God until sunrise. And then he would go into sujood for several hours. Then he would raise his head from sujood and he started to educate those around him. He would give them lessons. And this was his daily schedule at noon in the afternoon at night. I would see him on the path of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. I attest that Ar-Rada was in love with God. This is Imam Rada This is how he travels. My dear brothers and sisters, when we travel, how do we travel? I know these days because of COVID-19, uh, many people are not traveling. But I know some people, you know, they are decent people. I'm not judging them or attacking them. But sometimes they go on a vacation, khalas. When they go on vacation, they put Allah and religion back home. When they close the door of their house, they keep the religion in the house and they leave without it. They go on that vacation and they commit every type of sin. They start partying every single day, forgetting Allah. Sometimes committing indecent acts. Why? Allah has given you the blessings and the sustenance to go on a vacation. Be thankful to Him. Remember Allah. Some people tell us when they go on vacation, no salah, salah is for my house, not for my vacation. This is wrong, my dear brothers and sisters. Allah has given you the blessing to go on a vacation. Be, be thankful to him by remembering him, by worshiping him. Alhamdulillah, there's many halal activities that you can do on, on a vacation. So on his journey, as he was traveling, he always had Allah on his mind, remembering God and glorifying the Almighty God. So the Imam salam, arrives Maru, which is Mashhad Khurasan. There was a grand ceremony waiting to receive and greet Al-Imam salam. Remember, Al-Imam comes from the line of the Prophet, from Ali and Fatima. He had so much respect. Many people honored Al-Imam Al-Rada. They were desperately waiting to see his luminous face, to hear his words. On his way to Khurasan, the Imam Al-Salam was in a caravan when thousands of scribes and scholars and narrators, they came out to hear a hadith from him. One of those famous hadiths that Al-Imam Al-Rada spoke to them is called the hadith of the golden chain. The Imam salam stopped, he looked at the masses, and he told them, I heard my father, Musa. And he heard from his father, Ja'far, from his father, Imam al-Baqir, from his father, Imam Zain al-Abidin, from his father, Imam al-Hussein, from his father, Ali ibn Abi Talib, from his brother, the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa 
from Jibra'il from Allah. It's called the golden chain because it's a hadith that's connected from Al-Imam Raza all the way to God. It's a beautiful chain. What does Allah say? Allah says in this hadith, كَلِمَةُ لَا إِلَٰهَ إِلَّا اللَّهِ حِصْنِي فَمَنْ دَخِلَ فِي حِصْنِي أَمِنَ مِنْ عَذَابِي Allah says in this hadith, this phrase, La ilaha illallah, there is no God but Allah is my fort. It's my refuge that I give to the people. So whoever enters this fort shall be protected from my punishment. If you know what Tawheed is and you live by Tawheed and you dedicate your actions to God, you're protected from any type of punishment. Then the Imam walked a few steps. Then he added something to this hadith. The Imam says, However, with its conditions, believing in the one God, with its conditions will save you, will allow you to achieve salvation. Somebody can sit and say, La ilaha illallah, la la, without even absorbing its meaning. No, no, that's not what it's meant. That's not what's meant here with its conditions. Then he walked a few more steps. He said to the people, وَأَنَا مِنْ شُرُوطِهَا And I am amongst those conditions. Meaning I, as an imam, that you follow me and obey me and you recognize that I come from the Ahlul Bayt. That's one of the conditions. If you reject the family of the Prophet then you have not understood true Tawheed. And you're not fully saved. So the imam, السلام, enters the city of Marl in Mashhad today. Al Ma'moon is there also throwing a huge parade. Um, the Ma'moon was a very good actor. He wanted to show the people that I am good with the, you know, progeny of the prophets. I am good with Al Imam Al Rada. But of course, he was planning day after day how to get rid of Al Imam Al Rada, how to kill Al Imam Al Rada. But he did not want to show his true intentions to the people. So when Imam al-Rada came to meet him, Al-Ma'moon tried to come up with a strategy so the people would love Al-Ma'moon more. You know what he did according to some reports? He took his crowd off. He told him here, you be the caliph. The people were shocked. Al-Imam al-Rada knew he was lying. This is just a manipulation. He's not going to let him be the caliph. The Imam Ali told him, what are you doing? He says, here, I am giving you the caliphate. You deserve the caliphate. You know what Imam Rada told him? The Imam told him, if the caliphate is yours, given to you by God, you have, the no, you have no right to give it to someone else. If God appointed you to lead the ummah, you can't choose someone else. You know, imagine Allah sending the Prophet. The Prophet says, you know what? I don't want to be a Prophet. Let this person here, you become a Prophet. You don't have that option to do that. And if you're not qualified to be the Khalifa, you're not chosen by God, then who are you to give me the Khilafah when you're not qualified to be the Khalifa? The Ma'moon was furious, frustrated at this answer from Imam Rada because Imam Rada was exposing him. That that's not your real intention. Then he's like, okay, why don't you be my successor, my heir? The Imam said, no. For two months, Al-Ma'moon 
kept pressuring Al Imam Allah, you have to be my successor. The Imam would refuse. Finally, Al Ma'mun told Al Imam Allah, if you refuse to become my successor, I'll have you killed. It's as simple as that. When Al Imam Allah was threatened, okay, now you're obligated according to Islam, Islamic law to save your life. So he told him, I'll accept on one condition. I have no role in your government. I don't give orders. I don't do anything. No responsibility. He said, okay, fine. We'll accept your conditions. So Al-Ma'mun announced in the lands that Al-Rida is my successor. Al-Ma'mun's idea was to solidify his government and get more support. But Al-Imam Al-Rida had another plan. Al-Imam Al-Rida wanted to expose Al-Ma'mun that he's not sincere. Because in the end, as we shall see, Al-Ma'mun ended up poisoning Al-Imam Al-Rada and he killed him. So Al-Imam Al-Rada wanted to expose him. Number two, my dear brothers and sisters, there were many from the Shia, they were uprising against Bani Al-Abbas. When Al-Imam Al-Rada accepted to be the successor of Ma'mun, basically the Imam put an end to those uprisings. Now scholars ask why. Why would the Imam do something that would make their revolutions fail. The one common analysis is that some of those Alawis from the Shia, had they achieved power, power would have corrupted them and they would have started oppression too. And Imam Rada did not want them to reach power because he knew that with this political climate, anybody who ascends to power is going to be corrupt. The dunya, the world is going to change you. So the Imam preferred that the Alawis and the Shias, they don't pursue any power. This was one, another reason why he accepted to be the apparent successor to Al-Ma'mun. Because now that Al-Imam Al-Rada is the successor to Al-Ma'mun, the Alawis no longer could come out and fight Al-Ma'mun and bring down his government because Al-Imam Al-Rada is now officially the successor. So this was another plan by Al-Imam Al-Rada During those months that Al-Imam Al-Rada spent in Mashhad, maybe a year, maybe two years, the Imam Al-Islam was a source of guidance for the people. And one of the highlights of those days were the debates that the Imam had with people from other religions, with the Christians, the Jews, the Zoroastrians, the atheists, all other religions. Al-Ma'mun, he would invite these religious figures in his courtyard and he would ask them to debate Al-Imam Al-Rada. Now, his true intentions were to embarrass Al-Imam Al-Rada. By bringing all these scholars, he wished that they would corner Al-Imam Al-Rada. We believe these were his true intentions. There, were, there are some people who believe, no, he really wanted that Imam al-Rada to show knowledge and spread knowledge and to show Islam is the right path. But we have evidence and reason to believe that Al-Ma'mun wanted to embarrass Imam al-Rada. In one of those debates, the head of the Christians, Al-Jathaliq, he came to debate Imam al-Rada. And Al-Jalut, also, Ra'as al-Jalut, he also came, who was a Jewish rabbi, to debate Al-Imam Rada My dear brothers and sisters, if you have access to the book Al-Ihtijaj, read this book. 
it has these debates. They're truly fascinating. I'll just capture to you a few uh, points from these debates, just to give you an idea of some of the points that were discussed. Everything was discussed, everything. History, God, religion, justice, philosophy, everything was discussed. In fact, one of the uh, scribes who would document those debates, he said, I heard 16,000 questions posed to Imam Rabani answered them. 16,000. Imagine how many hours and hours those debates would last for. So one day, Imam Rabani was debating this Christian scholar, Al-Jathaliq, who was the most knowledgeable Christian scholar of his time. That Christian scholar insisted that Jesus is God. You know, he's the Lord. Al-Imam Rabba would refute that. He kept insisting. Finally, Al-Imam Rabba told him something interesting. He told him, we Muslims love Jesus and we love everything about him except one thing. He had a deficiency in one area. Al-Jathaliq, he was not expecting this from <laughs> Al-Imam Rabba What do you mean? Which deficiency? Al-Imam Rabba told him, everything was good about him. When it came to worship, Al-Imam, uh, Jesus did not worship God that much. You know, his prayer, his fasting was very, very little. The Jathaliq became furious. He told Al-Imam Rabba, I had respect for you. Until you said the statement, what do you mean Jesus would worship God very little? No man on earth worshipped God more than Jesus. No man prayed more than Jesus and no man fasted more than Jesus. And Imam Rada told him, is that so? He said, yes. And Imam Rada said to, to the Jathaliq, this Christian scholar, so you agree that no man prayed more than Jesus. He's like, yes, of course, this is history. Al-Imam Rada asked him, who did Jesus pray to? Don't you say he was the best worshiper? The one who prayed most in history? I have a question to you. Who did he pray to? Allah. Allahu Akbar. What a response from Al-Imam Rada. That's it. Argument was over. The Jathaliq, this Christian scholar, he put his head down. He had no answer. If you admit Jesus prayed so much, who's he praying to? If you're saying he's the Lord, he's God, and we worship him, Tayyip, who did he worship? And that shows you that Jesus worshipped God, and he was a servant of God. If he was God, he's not going to worship himself. That doesn't even make any sense. Subhanallah. And the, the people, the Muslims were so happy that Al-Imam Rada you know, would support the religion of Islam through these beautiful discussions. The Imam salam looked at the Jewish rabbi. He told him, what criterion do you Jews go by so that someone is a prophet? He said, well, he must perform miracles and be close to God. He must be able to split the sea and do all those miracles that Moses did. Imam Rada told him, okay. So what if there's a prophet who didn't do the miracles of Moses? Is he still a prophet? He did other miracles that no one else could do. He said, initially, no, no, we won't accept him. 
And Imam Rada told them, then how do you accept previous prophets that came before Musa, like Prophet Abraham? Isn't Abraham a prophet? But he did not split the sea like Moses did. Yet the Torah, the Jewish tradition, states that Abraham is a prophet. Isaac is a prophet. Jacob is a prophet. Joseph is a prophet. They never split the sea. So he had to adjust his words, that Jewish rabbi. He said, well, yeah, they don't have to split the sea, but they must have miracles that no one else could do. Then we'll accept them. And Imam Rada told him, then why don't you accept Jesus as a prophet of God? Because the Jews, they reject Jesus. They don't accept that he's a prophet. Why do you reject the prophethood of Jesus when he could revive the dead, when he could walk on water, when he could cure the blind and the leper? The Jewish man told that Imam Rada well, because we never saw that. Who said Jesus did those miracles? I never witnessed it. And Imam Rada told him, why did you witness the miracles of Moses? Did you see him split the sea? He said, no, but we've, uh, we've received verified reports. And Imam Rada told him, there's verified reports about Jesus too. In fact, there's more reports about Jesus because Jesus is more recent. He lowered his head. He couldn't say anything. And the most beautiful part, part of these debates, my dear brothers and sisters, read the hadith and the historical reports. Al-Imam Al-Rada had memorized the Bible in its original language. And he memorized the Torah, the Old Testament in the original language. And he would read it to him. The Imam salam told him, I'll tell you the truth in the Torah, in the Old Testament, and I'll read it in Hebrew. The narrator says that Imam Rada started to read the Bible in Hebrew such that the Jewish scholar found it so appealing and the recitation of an Imam Rada so beautiful. You know, he started not to dance, but you know, when you hear something and you really enjoy it, you kind of move your body, right? He started humming with himself and, and, and making movements. This is an Imam Rada min Ali Muhammad. He told the leaders of all those religions, the Zoroastrians, the Hindus, I'll read your scripture in your own language. And when he would read it, they would tell him, SubhanAllah, you're right. This is written in our books. And so Imam Rada every time emerged victorious from those beautiful debates.